they're the moments. They're the moments when you come up against something really difficult and you decide that you're going to cringe forward. That even though up to that point, you might be in, you might have been afraid or reluctant to be able to move past that fear, that you decide what you want and what's important to you is even more important, even bigger than that fear that you feel and you cringe forward. That's part of your personal brand story. And today we're going to talk with Dawn Hunter, and she's the founder of Swooby. And she's going to tell you a little bit more about who she is and what she what she's done with her company and how she's cringed forward. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Jen. Thanks. No problem. Tell us a little bit about who you are, Dawn, and, and what it is that you do for work. Sure. So my name is Dawn Hunter, and I live in New York City, right in the center of Midtown Manhattan. And I've lived here for about at least 15 years. And during that time, I've worked in what I would call corporate America, financial services, like that. And a few years ago, I launched a company called Swooby. It's an absorbent and disposable bra liner for boob sweat, which it's a pretty innovative and non-traditional product. So it's been challenging to get it off the ground. And it's also required me to come to terms to some degree with you know, my LinkedIn profile, which in, in my industry, which is like very, very corporate, my LinkedIn profile is my like online representation of my professional life. And so right. changing that personality visibly to everybody that I've known for 15 years and try it, it's been hard to straddle that line. And when I had, when I officially like put Swooby on my LinkedIn profile, I felt very insecure, very insecure Why? about changing my personality from um, a corporate uh, technology and financial services, you know, person to a boob sweat person. I so you feel like, like I mean, I've, I've known you for a number of years personally. Do you feel like that's more in line with your personal brand values or is there just like kind of like this other side of you that you feel pressure that you have to kind of conform to? This is what an executive looks like. Well, my concern actually had a lot more to do with employability, for example. Oh. So that was in last year. Yeah. Beginning of last year in 2021, because of the situation across the board, I did have to return to the workforce and I was very concerned. Basically my whole concern, even when I changed it was that somehow I was going to be, um, firebombing the 15 years of professional experience that I had racked up and somehow become nothing more than a boob sweat person and boob sweat and technology do not go together. Like this is a man's world, not bring boob sweat into a man's world. I mean, cause that's like a thing that like, you know, people don't necessarily want to talk about like hygiene or like they intimate things. About Most of them don't. Uh, yeah. Like you would even like know about that. Cause it's not something that you necessarily talk about. And, and the me too thing was starting to happen a lot. So then you also have people that like, don't even want to think about boobs in, you know, in a professional or public environment. So it was, it stressed me out. And the only reason I did it when I guess this is, this would be yes. one of the leaning in parts is that um, I knew that if I didn't move it full force and if I wasn't willing to identify myself as the founder of this company and to make that a public part of my persona, that I wouldn't um, have legitimacy uh, in the startup community, which I was becoming a lot more active in, mm -hmm. as well as in the absorbent hygiene community, which I joined as a completely different industry. It would almost be like going into finance and technology for the first time. Like it's, it would all, it'd be like going into trucking or like, going into like waste control or something. It's a completely different industry. And there's 
you know, the, the cool people and the popular people and the, the industry wizards and everything. You have all the same hierarchy that you would have anywhere. And once I started, because I went to a big training with the absorbent hygiene stuff, and I learned about how the products, and we're talking like diapers, adult incontinence, um, and femcare are the three largest. Those are like all under the same industry and everything like that. Exactly. Even though they're serving different markets because they're considered like, what did you call them? Like hygiene, absorbent, absorbent hygiene, hygiene products. Yeah. And so I learned about like how they work and stuff. And, and then I, learned, so what, I met the people. So what inspired you to even go down this route? Because that is a big difference to be able to go from um, working in corporate America in the finance industry to being able to manage boob sweat. Well, I never planned to be in finance in the first place. I actually studied marketing and advertising in college. And it was kind of a fluke of opportunity when I moved to New York. The advertising jobs pay way less than finance and technology. And I've always been good at technology. So I kind of like, it happened. I decided I'm going to cringe forward and make sure that I have the income to be able to support myself. And But you've been able to use that marketing with your new product and everything. I mean, I love your branding and your packages. I mean, like everything that you have to be able to kind of represent the diversity of women with the shapes and sizes and backgrounds and everything like that. It's very inclusive. Thank so, you. Well, yeah, I've enjoyed I that it. part a lot. Um, I've enjoyed that part a lot. The thing that got me to think of it was, you know, New York is much more humid. The East Coast in general, I've found all the way down is much more humid than where we grew up in Washington state, where it can be like 90 some degrees, but still it's not so bad because there's a breeze because it doesn't get anywhere as humid as it does over here. Right. So here I also, I'm, I sweat more quickly than some people. I don't have a disorder. I simply, my body, I, I had a horse trainer once. He would say that I have an advanced cooling system, you know, um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with that the next time I feel like I'm all hot and sweaty. Right, it's right. really dry here in, in Idaho, but yeah. See, you're, you're, you're advanced. your body's working harder than everyone else's. So as that, I would actually start sweating after about six and a half minutes of uh, moderately intense exercise, which is what you reach when you're walking to the subway and you're in a hurry. Mm. And then I'd be finally in the subway. It took me, you know, about six minutes to get there. And then I'm standing there and it starts and I feel the prickles in my skin and then the water just starts coming out of my skin and I'm standing there and in my mind, I'm like, you know, polar bears, ice caps. That doesn't work very well. Not no, sweat. no. And then that, and then your appearance is so important, even though it might be discounted and you want to seem like you're professional and you're pulled together. And then there's that whole um, stigma that goes with that. If you're sweating, that you're nervous. And that's not necessarily oh, that's the case. Too. I actually never thought about that. I mean, I mean, because if people like, they might perceive you differently um, because of the thing or either that or you're working out, you know, or you're under pressure or anything like that. So if it gives you more of a calm looking appearance, then I think that would help as well. So, you know, it's so interesting you say that. I actually never thought that what I call overheating would, could be um, perceived as being nervous, probably because I'm usually like mopping myself and I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to have that. I love that you decided to be able to try something different. And uh, I know that you've shared with me um, offline a little bit about having challenges when it comes to financing a product and most of the people that you've been able to get capital from. Do you want to share a little bit about what that process is like to explain what it is that you do? Sure. Um, I'll have to say, you know, one of the best things that I've done for my business is becoming involved in the local startup community. And I would encourage anyone to do that in their um, in their region. Now, I do live in New York City, so the startup community here may be, you know, 
more elevated to some degree or maybe more accomplished or whatever. Similar well, you've to got you more people. Yeah, I mean, you've more, got more, more people. So you, I'm assuming you have more startups and the economy of like New York City is like a, the same size as most a lot of small countries, right? And maybe some startups moved here. I think in Silicon Valley, it's the same in that you have mm -hmm. just more. So mm -hmm. through that, I learned it is true for, for fundraising and financing that the people who come through for you aren't necessarily the ones you expected and the ones that you expected don't necessarily come through for you. So that is true. How, how so? How so? Like, how did, how did that kind of like push you out of your comfort zone to cringe forward in those moments? Um, you know, I did go out to my friends that, that I felt were, you know, more well off and present it and ask them for investment for opportunities. And I have to say that one of the things that I found interesting was recognizing that some of my friends who do have more income, like for example, I have a friend, so I have a married couple. One is a, um, uh, anesthesiologist who does very well. And the other one works in some kind of accounting, whatever I'm sure he does well as well, but they are planning to have a baby. And then they are like, well, we have all these costs. And plus, you know, two men can't have a baby for free. So they have to plan those costs as well. And it just, you know, it was interesting because I really hadn't thought about that. Other people right. do. The, the reason why people say no, isn't necessarily the story that we create in our minds or not because they don't like me. Different. Yeah, so that was interesting. Um, that was interesting. Uh, my father gave me money, and that was most of the surprise, I will say. I was really surprised at that. And um, it was a huge support and a giant help to me when, and again, I, I did not expect that. Um, you would think, oh, every little girl gets money from her daddy, but that's just not how it was. And so the fact that he believed in me enough to give me the amount that he did allowed me to put a major deposit down for my manufacturing and made a huge difference. So there's that. Well, and you know, you mentioned before that you switched industries and it's, mm. you know, that's completely a different um, industry to go from finance into something that- I thought about it for eight years. Really? So yeah, what so was that moment like that said, okay, like, uh, it's been eight years. This is the time to be able to do it. Do you want to hear the truth? Heck yeah. That's why we're here. You know, authenticity online. It's, that's what people don't share. They don't share the why behind it. The truth is, as a contractor working in technology and finance, I was no longer building a career, but I was kind of moving from job assignment to job assignment. Mm. And my compensation rate, what I saw across the industry was that people who do my job tend to max out at a certain rate. Mm -hmm. So there's like, you don't really have opportunity for growth. You just keep kind of banging away at the same machine. And also because of international influences and a lot of people from India and other types of, I don't know what the visas are called. I also felt like the rates were dropping. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked at what I do for a living and I looked at the future potential of income, all I saw was endless toiling for no upside. Mm. Meanwhile, um, um, what's it called? Inflation goes up, cost of living goes up, everything else goes up. And I'm still- And you're living in New York where it's like one of the most expensive places in the world to live, right? Yeah. And so um, I looked at this opportunity and again, it just, it sat in the back of my mind. Here's the other thing. And this is important is that at the time I think I was, I had like what I call, I guess, a midlife crisis. I was around 38 and, you know, I have not wanted a family or children. So that's not part of what I have that makes me happy. And I've never wanted that. Um, I'm also single, but I don't consider that relevant either. But the reason I mention it is that 
So because I live in New York City, I don't have a house. I rent an apartment. And this is all to say that when it comes to things that people have established in their life, some people have a family, they have a home that they live in, that they take care of, they have, and that's kind of like their investment. And they're like, this mm. is my, you know, I know that you have a number of children, a husband, you have this beautiful <laughs> home that you live in. And that's part, that's a giant thing that you've created and accomplished. Like managing that family itself is a testament to your devotion and, and investment and all that. So I was like, damn, what do I have to, what do I have to show for like my Like your life? legacy, your yeah, legacy like, of like who you, what you've done with your life or what you've accomplished, something that's like tangible right. and measurable. Right. And, and not that, and here's an interesting thing, because you mentioned legacy. Um, one of my ex-boyfriends felt very strongly about his legacy. Um, and to me, a legacy is what people remember about you after you're yes, gone. I agree. Um, it's not a monument or like a scholarship in your name or a trust fund, you know, or the, the a building named after you. To me, it's a reflection of who you were and how you're remembered. Definitely. I don't care what happens after I die because I'm not going to be here. So I just want what's good now. So I want, mm. I want, what do they say? I want it and I want it now. I don't know. I, I basically, I, yeah, I don't really care what happens when I die. I want to enjoy the fruits of yeah, my life. Yellow. These guys like Picasso, you know, they painted their butts off and did all kinds of things. And they, their stuff wasn't worth a whole lot of money until after they were dead. Right. Yeah. That? No, they look like paupers. Right. And most of them, like, I think Picasso was one of the only ones that within his lifetime that he was able to market himself well, or like, yeah, um, he may actually be the Andy, Yeah. Yeah. And Andy, Andy Warhol and stuff, because they had a really strong personal brand and a story that went behind it. And, and that's part of your personal brand story and really marketing yourself. But most artists, you know, I spoke with someone, um, I did a podcast interview with um, a woman that lives in New York that specializes in helping coach artists to be able to market their brand and their business. And that's exactly right. Why not make money now or to be able to enjoy the quality of life or be recognized for your gifts and your talents and abilities. And that's what you've done with your, your brand and your business. I love I that. I wanted to have something that I felt proud of. That might actually be the best mm. way to say it, which mm -hmm. is a bit, it's different from a legacy, but it's really something you do for yourself, you know? Exactly. That you, you went past that moment where you're like, okay, I've done yeah, enough. What have I done? Yeah. Like what's, what is all this? What is all this? Or am I just treading water until I die? That was right. basically, and that's that's what a midlife crisis kind of is, I guess. Well, and I don't necessarily think it's a crisis. I call them transition times. Mm. Like there's those certain moments in your life, whether it's a milestone birthday or it's a job time transition or a move or um, something happens in the world like the pandemic. I know a lot of people said, okay, I'm just going to switch whatever it is that I'm doing. And there was like the mass um, exodus of people from like a traditional nine to five corporate environment. But um, we realized, okay, what, what is it that brings us joy? Mm. What do we value? What's like really important? And our, our core values, are they in alignment with what it is we're doing for work? Like that's why I have a, a personal brand values template because you can do anything. You can tell your story, but if you don't feel like you're aligned with your personal core values, whatever they may be, there's that disconnect and it's hard to feel. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because I actually forgot about that. When I'm talking about this period and this midlife crisis, as I'm referring to it, the transition period, the part that I forgot until you said that, it really is that disconnect because what happened is after sitting on this idea for eight years, um, and, and this, the ex-boyfriend that I mentioned earlier, he's the one, cause I was telling him about it. I was like, yeah, and, da, 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 and this, you know, and somebody should make this, da, da, da. he's like, you know what you should call it? He's like, you should call it swooby for sweaty boobies. And I thought that was so ridiculous, but the longer I thought about it, the more I was like, that's a damn good word. And I also looked it up in, um, 
Urban Dictionary, it already means that. So how great. And then, so he was right. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I started to get really depressed on the inside because there was mm. a piece of me on the inside that saw this opportunity that had all the ideas and was sitting on it and not doing anything. And that actually started to rot and, and make me really angry with myself. And Ooh. that became something that I basically, that I forgot about that, that grew and became a problem for me. Right. And, and I think a lot of times we tie our value to our income mm -hmm. or a job title. And it's not about a paycheck. It's about feeling like you're, you're fulfilling whatever your potential Valued and recognized for your contributions. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, whether it was the years that I spent as a, a full-time homemaker rearing my children and I wasn't bringing a paycheck into the family, I was doing things that saved us tens of thousands of dollars because I, my husband made, made a conscious decision to do that. And it's a sacrifice, just like, you know, there's tons of people out there who say, you know, I need to support myself. I need to support these things. I need to be responsible. And entrepreneurship is super risky. And, you know, it can be scary to, you know, you're not only saying, okay, I believe in this so passionately that I'm going to take this risk, whether it's financially, emotionally shifting from what I used to do before. And I'm going to get that pushback. What kind of pushback did you get from other people? Um, well, there was the point where, yourself. I, well, there was the point where when I'm attending these, um, these startup things, you know, if you have questions or something, they basically have you stand up, you introduce yourself, you mention your company, and then you ask your question. So that way, I guess it's a way for everyone to kind of get their own little name out there. Um, when I started doing it, the first time I did it and I, and I, you know, there's always a chuckle, there's a chuckle. There's a chuckle and a ooh that goes across the crowd. And I learned to, you know, expect that and embrace that and just be mm -hmm. like, yes, that is what, that's exactly what it is. You know, well, and I mean? you've got a great sense of humor and everything like that. And I love that oh. it's playful and it's lighthearted instead of like, okay, this is something that's embarrassing or shameful. Well, a lot of, you know, there are actually boob sweat products that came before mine, believe it or not. I've done a lot of research. And um, one of them, no the, yeah, well, most people don't. One of them that I thought would be the closest to what I ended up um, developing, she was marketing her product as like this discreet feminine opportunity, blah, 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 which is nothing wrong with that, but it's not exciting and fun. Right. So. And then so like it's looking at it in a different light and everything like that. What sorts of, um, because it's a different thing that you had to do, how did you have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone to learn about new things that you didn't know before? So how did I get the first information? I started, I was going to the startup communities and then they were talking about, you know, I was kind of like in this retail zone, people that are selling things online. And, you know, I went up to, they were talking about mentors. And the thing is, I would really strongly recommend if you go to these events, you know, talk to the people that throw the event, talk to the host, talk to the people on the panel. The quickest way to talk to someone on a panel before a giant line shows up at the end of the event is to sit in front. And then you're like, boop, hi. And, and they're seeing your face and that, that, that facial recognition and that you're there, that you're engaged and everything like that. That's a fantastic can leave way. early without having to wait 20 minutes to stand in line. Right. So, and it, but through those people, I got referred to a woman and she referred me to a man and he referred me to this thing called the uh, INDA, which um, stands for the American Nonwovens Industry. And no, those letters don't go together. But it was basically a giant organization for all these diaper people. And it actually covers a lot more than just diapers. It includes all kinds of these nonwoven materials, which includes air filters and whatever. But 
through that organization, which I was able to join as some kind of consultant rate or something. So instead of paying like thousands of dollars for a corporate rate, they like let me join as a member for a few hundred bucks. And then it, because it was very Southern, it was actually kind of the non-wovens industry is kind of a small community and people were actually nicer than expected. Um, they thought my product was ridiculous, but they also admired my spunk and, uh, your tenacity, because like yeah. even going through that process, you know, you had to talk to multiple people until you got to that person that helped. And it's that, you know, that you're moving forward, that you're crunching forward. You're not just being stagnant, you know, that even though it's awkward and some people might push back or laugh at it about, about what it is that you're doing, you believed in it enough to say, I don't care. The reason I believe in it so much is whenever I mention it to women, I swear eight out of 10 times their faces light up. There's a handful of women that are like, is that a thing? But you know, and not everybody has the problem. Um, and when women look at me like that, I tell them, well, some of your friends probably have it, you know, right. not and everybody has you're not gonna, something that you're not necessarily going to share with everyone, or maybe it only happens when you run or exercise I or large women who don't seem to have a problem. God bless them. I also had a friend that I used to take spin classes with. We were more or less in the same shape, I would say. And I would sweat buckets and she'd be like, mm. and it's not that <laughs> Yeah. If yeah, everyone's body's different and everything mm -hmm. like that. So I have like a wet spot under my bike and yeah. And, and, you know, I know that you've mentioned a little bit about your product and, and everything about how, how can people be able, how can people buy it? How can they connect with you to be able to learn more about what Swoopy is and how it can help them or help someone they know, because maybe they don't have the boob sweat issue, but there's someone else that they know. Well, follow, following Swoopy on Instagram, which is my Swoopy. Uh, would be the best. And then also swooby.com. That's S-W-O-O-B-I-E, like sweaty boobies. Swooby.com has uh, products available. I have buy and try packets for about six bucks that gets you three liners, or you can buy a box of 14. Um, and they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. I'm actually very, very happy with them. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate you being here and taking the time to kind of share your journey and everything that you've done. Thanks, so, Jen. I know that everyone out there who's watching or listening that's taken a moment, I hope you were able to take away something that gives you a little bit more strength to be able to cringe forward because your voice has value, your message has meaning, and you deserve to be seen. Cringe forward.